0: Welcome to another PI World Podcast. This is an audio only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk where you can find many more videos of interest to investors.
1: Thank you very much for everyone for joining us this afternoon. Uh, my name is Bjorn Conway. I am the Chief Executive of TPX Impact. I joined in October last year. My background is a sort of long-term professional services business transformation and technology change, and more recently, sort of building integrated digital transformation businesses. Uh, To my left is my colleague, uh, Group CFO, Steve Winters. Uh, Good afternoon. Um, I joined TPX Impact uh, just
2: over a year ago, helping them with their finance transformation programme and became CFO at the end of September last year. My prior life was at WPP, where I spent over 20 years. Uh, For a long time, I was Group Chief Accountant there, And lastly, for the last three or four years, was deputy group CFO.
1: So one of the key things that Steve and I both bring is experience of running large uh, organisations, which is particularly relevant for uh, TPX because we're now behaving as a a large, 1,100-strong organisation rather than as a group of smaller businesses. We've got a short presentation to take you through, and I'll take you through some of the highlights, quickly through a summary uh, FY23 summary, a little bit of context and background about our market and our business. Steve will then pick up on our financial and ESG results, and then I'll come back with a bit of a vision as to how we plan to take the business forward, how current trading is looking, and our outlook for this year. And then obviously, we're very happy to take questions afterwards. I guess the key element that uh, we want to get across today is that uh, we recognise uh, FY- 23 was a very challenging year for the business, um, but we are now in a position where we have a new vision for the business. We have a three-year plan, uh, strategy and three-year plan for how we're going to develop the business and take it forward. And we've also got a record uh, backlog in terms of work coming into this year. So we've got a really good foundation for our business going into this year and we're maintaining our guidance. So just to touch on here the summary for last year, so Steve will pick up on some of the financial figures, so I'll move through those quite quickly, but we ended the year towards the higher end of the guidance that we issued at the beginning of this calendar year. New business wins in particular have strengthened, and they've strengthened over the last few quarters, and we'll talk a little bit later on in the presentation about the strength of our new business wins in the first part of this year as well, particularly in April. One of the things about uh, TPX, one of the strengths of the business is that actually uh, the teams are uh, very purpose-driven and uh, very keen to deliver impact alongside their clients. So one of our um, tasks as a management team is to balance that with our commercial returns. And this slide also shows some of those people, places and planet measures there. So we've seen a really good headcount growth this year, which obviously contributes to our margin improvement initiatives, but also is a sign that we are an attractive place and we're able to recruit people in the current environment. Our staff retention rate is 84%. That's a significant improvement on even just a few short months ago. And hopefully that's reflective of our attempt to be transparent and engage staff. Our staff themselves, of their own volition, donate hours. So 2,500 hours were donated in the last financial year. And we've also maintained our commitment to offset our historical carbon usage for the acquired businesses. And we invested in a business called CO2.com, which uses that money for planet-based initiatives. And the final piece on this slide is just at the bottom right there. You can see how our services split. We're approximately, well, we're 72% public sector, and that is central government, local government and health, and 28% in the commercial sector. We've been investing in our sales capability over the last few months, and in particular, we're investing at the moment in our commercial sector. Just to give you a bit of context in our market, so you'll see that we actually operate in a vast market, and it's got huge potential. In terms of the UK, we predominantly operate in the consulting and solutions part of that market. And I think probably one of the things that's worth getting across is that if I was talking to you 12 months ago, I'd be talking about the number of clients we have that are a million pounds plus in revenue, and they were of the order of about uh, 16 clients in that catchment. Um, today, I can talk to you about multi-year contracts, and our largest contract, as you'd have seen from recent announcements, is four years and 49 million. So we have sort of stepped up a level in terms of the strategic nature of the work that we can win and our ability to draw together our services from across the business. And that's a reflection of us operating under a single brand. In terms of the three market segments that we've put up here, just a couple of key points from each. In central government, there's obviously a huge demand for digital transformation services. It's all about citizen engagement, and it's all about improving the effectiveness and the efficiency of providing data and information to citizens and helping them access the services they need. One thing that's working in our favour is that public sector procurement is becoming more disciplined. Digital market-based frameworks are being used and that provides access for us to compete with some of the larger players. In the commercial sector, we've got real depth, but with a limited client base. So we see the opportunity there both to develop business within those clients and also to develop across subsectors, which are predominantly financial services and utilities. And in the not-profit sector, Our customers are really looking for far better engagement with their donors. So we can assist that, we can support that because in the current environment, the cost of living challenges that are around, attracting new donors is is quite difficult, but actually encouraging existing donors to donate more is somewhat easier. In terms of who we are, I'll just give you a little bit of context around the business. Our vision for the business and our purpose, if you like, is to deliver people power transformation. And what that really means is that people are at the centre of what we do, both in terms of experiencing the output of what we develop with clients. So that customer journey that they go through and the engagement with uh, the organisations we support, but also tapping into the um, sense of purpose, the want to deliver impact and the enthusiasm that we have within our own staff base. In terms of our capability, I talked a little bit earlier about us being able to win larger contracts, and that's because we are able to deliver a true end-to-end capability. We can get involved right at the beginning in terms of design, and a lot of that design is user-centred design, so user-centred research, or it could be community engagement-type work to really get to the grassroots of how we improve services. Right the way through to making data more accessible, so some of the recent acquisitions particularly, for example, Swirl, really emphasises on making public sector data accessible to a wider audience. Our experience division really talks to how do you make that engagement real? How do you build the contact management systems, the websites, the interfaces with those customers to make that experience a real experience and an impactful experience? And then we've got the technology capability, both in our own staff and also in our associate network to be able to deliver and actually build things. So we're actually right the way from initial ideas through to actually building product for our clients. We have a hub structure here at TPX Impact, so that allows us to recruit from a wide base in the UK, so people can have a regional hub that they are attached to. It also allows us to serve our clients from regional hubs, but we also operate a hybrid system, so we're highly connected as an organisation, and we've been investing in that network. We're currently sitting in our new London hub Uh, which is a new office, and we will combine our two existing hubs into this one. So we're actually able to bring our teams together to promote co-working. And we've also improved our facilities in Manchester and Chesterfield. So I've got three examples of our client work, just to emphasise three different points. So the first example is for the Department for Education. The key element here is it's a client that we've supported for a long time, This piece of work is a relatively small piece of work, but it actually set the path for a much larger engagement we won at the beginning of this year in April, which is a £27.5 million engagement for two years, centred around teachers, centred around improving the data availability. And as you can see, this track record, we're working with teachers supporting that environment, and that really laid the path for that. The second track record that we've got really demonstrates how our work can be part of the critical national infrastructure. So during the COVID pandemic, actually, we had the 111 service in Wales, had technical issues, the current provider could not sustain the service. We very quickly stood up a service which is actually still in operational use today. So really plugged into critical service delivery. And then the final example is an example of how We use our skills and technology to make data accessible and useful as information on a broader stage, particularly in the public sector. Clients have a lot of data and really the challenge is how do you make that data usable? How do you get value from it? Which is one of our key ideas. So there are only just three examples. We've got a very broad range of examples, but hopefully those bring the business to life a little bit for you. So I'll hand over to Steve now Who talk us through our financial and ESG results. Steve,
2: thank you. Good afternoon. So our revenue for the year was £83.7 million, which is a 5% on a reported basis, but as you can see, down 7.2% like for like, stripping out the acquisitions of Peak and Swell in particular, right at the start of April 22. I'll show you how that pans out, that growth by a quarter in a moment. Profit on an EBITDA basis, adjusted EBITDA was £2.5 million and 3% on a margin. Both of those figures were at the higher end of our expectations when we last provided an indication of full year outcome at the end of January. Adjusted PBT of 0.7 million and on the right hand side you can see a reported operating loss of £19 million largely due to impairments and acquired intangible amortisation, and I'll show you a reconciliation of the adjusted to the reported numbers in a moment. Sales backlog is the amount of committed revenue in respect of the next financial year, i.e. FY24, March 24, £80 million going into that year of committed revenue, which is very encouraging, and built off the significant new wins and the momentum in new wins in the latter part of last year. Net debt at year end was 17.5 million, and we had just under 7 million pounds of cash at the bank. And just on the new banking arrangements, we have a 30 million facility with HSBC. At the end of the year, we draw down 24 and a half of that, and that less the cash gives you the net debt number. We received a uh, waiver of our debt equivalents at the end of March and also at the end of June last week. And we've agreed, after uh, constructive, helpful discussions with our bankers, on fresh covenants that will apply uh, for the next twelve months, based on minimum liquidity levels uh, at each month end, and an EBITDA uh, figure uh, by quarter uh, that will uh, is set as a proportion of our budgeted uh, expectations. The previous covenants in relation to two and a half times uh, net debt of two and a half times EBITDA and interest cover of four times will come back and apply from the quarter ending 30th of September 24. So my takeaway from this is that you know despite the obvious operational problems we had in the last financial year uh, and the implications of that on our debt uh, position and borrowing position, we now have a solid framework from which we can operate and run the business uh, over the coming 12 months uh, supported by our bankers on the revenue there's five year history on the left hand side we are targeting fy24 life for line top line growth of 15 to 20% which would effectively give you the 96 to 100 range you can see in the 24 column there effectively the blue band at the top we're also targeting an EBITDA margin improvement to between 5 and 6%. Going back to the quarters of the year just gone, you can see the dip there in the middle two quarters of the year, minus 11 and minus 15%, largely because of a lower order rate coming into the financial year and delays in the middle of the year in relation to projects coming stream. That led to the downturn on revenue in those two quarters. And as you can see, it came back in quarter four to not quite, but almost flat in the quarter. And the first two months of the current year on the far right hand side is positive life-for-like growth of 5%, which is in line with our budgets and in line with our expectations. The issue very much of last year, which, as Bjorn said at the outset, was a challenging year, was in part due to the revenue issues in the middle of the year that I've described, but also on the cost side, getting the balance right between permanent staff and contractors was challenging, and the cost base increased primarily because we gave an enhanced benefits package to our permanent employees right at the start of the financial year in relation to holiday entitlement, pension benefits, etc. We still stand by that commitment to our staff. They are our business and rewarding them in an appropriate, well-rounded way is important to how we ensure the increase in retention rates that your pointed out at the start to 84%. Currently, a year ago, it was uh, not quite the same picture. Just to give you a sense of how the revenue for FY23 breaks out by business, consulting is our most significant part of the business at almost 40%, digital experience at 15%, Red Cortex and Kits, around 20%. That's our platform managed services business. International, we have a small operation in Norway and a more significant one in Bulgaria, equating to 17% of our revenues. And Data and Insights, which is the combination of peak and swirl, the two companies we acquired in April 22, account for around 9% of revenues. Coming back to the reconciliation of adjusted or headline numbers. Against our reported operating loss. Again, you can see here the first two green bars all relate to goodwill and acquired intangible assets, whether the amortization thereof or the impairment charge that we've taken following a review of the future growth and profitability prospects of certain of the acquisitions that we completed more than two years ago. We incurred two and a half million of restructuring costs not dissimilar to the prior in part due to the integration exercise that was taken out at the start of the year and right sizing the business for the future performance expectations. And just an EBITDA of 2.5 is where we ended up, which is to repeat the margin of 3% in the year. Turning to ESG, this is a really important focus for the group. It marks us out as a differentiating factor because of our focus within it. And what it means to both our clients and our employees, people, places, planet, all together providing a sustainable and trusted company in TPX Impact does good for both our people and our clients. And it goes hand in hand with the financial objectives we just laid out. Some numbers on ESG, I won't read all these out. We have about 800 people on a permanent basis within the group at the moment. Our total workforce is 1,100, including associates or contractors. During the year, excluding acquisitions, we effectively created almost 140 new jobs within the business to service our clients. Our representation goals are contained in our annual report. Our FY23 results are largely in line with our targets for this year, but clearly there's still work to do. It's an area of focus for us on diversity and inclusion. In terms of the planet and our carbon usage, it's just over two tonnes per full-time employee, some improvement of last year. We donated 2,500 hours, that's our permanent employees donated this time, to a number of volunteering activities, whether social-orientated. The £13 is is an attempt to give an indication of the notional value attributable to social value uh, in terms of our government contract wins. Typically, around 10 to 12 percent. The total contract value qualification criteria are driven by uh, these the social value component of the bid. Uh, if you multiply that 10 or 12 percent, uh, and we looked at all the new business wins over the last 12 months, you come out with a a notional figure of 13 million pounds, so somewhat significant. And again, 72 percent of our revenues come from public services, not just public sector. But also not for profit charitable organisations and the third sector. Some highlights from our ESG work this year in terms of employees, we introduced new company values hand in hand with our new vision for the business and three year plan, ensure packed purpose, accountability, craft and togetherness to bring together the workforce. Which was and these values were driven very much through a consultation program with our staff. On the carbon side, as Bjorn mentioned, we donated £100,000 to CO2.com, which is a portfolio of planet initiatives sponsored by Time magazine in the States. We launched a purpose platform to help us track those two and a half thousand hours. It's called LA and we introduced that journey and it helps us get people to focus their attention on those volunteering hours and their dedication to the community. An example of which, and we're very proud of this, Our Future Leaders program, which has been around for a number of years now, where we bring people from disadvantaged or underrepresented backgrounds to develop their entrepreneurial skills and talents through a program of mentoring, coaching of people within TPX Impact to develop those ideas and offer help and support. It's a very successful, impressive program.
1: Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, so now I'd like to talk a little bit about the business going forward and our sort of vision for the future. As Steve's already set out through those measures, we really benefit from looking at the business as both purpose-driven and a commercial enterprise. So we've talked about people-powered transformation, both in terms of our clients and their need to interact better with systems and customers. Our vision is to be an integrated, focused, and a high-performing purpose-driven digital transformation business. Now, what does that mean? That means that our clients benefit from a coherent and broad range of services that we can bring together to meet their needs. We've already talked about winning larger engagements with clients, which are more strategic in nature because of the breadth of capability we can now bring together. The way we do that is moving forward, we're moving into more of a professional services type model. So something that's based on services and sectors and allows us to be very adaptive and responsive to sector needs and also to the development of new services. We're doing this in a way that we're going to be simplifying the business, making it coherent and also improving the operational maturity. And that over time feeds into our margin improvement that we'll see at the back end of this year and into next year as well. It also provides a really solid foundation so that if we move back into acquiring, for example, niche capabilities into the group, we can do that in a way that the capabilities immediately fit in and get traction with the rest of the group. The way that we're approaching this is we're taking a very disciplined approach and we've got a three-year plan that we set out. This first year is all about what we have call balancing commercial and purpose because they're two very, very strong elements of the group. And to a certain extent, we need to help the organisation make those decisions, achieve that balance and achieve the commercial outcomes whilst delivering against our purpose. Steve and I, particularly in the months since we joined, we've sort of implemented some additional management disciplines around performance management and around forecasting, which are improving our visibility of the business. And we're going to continue doing that, improving governance process and systems throughout the business. We've talked at the bottom point on this year about further integration when stability allows. And what that means is that, particularly in the case of our consulting business, which will be the foundation for our digital transformation business, we want to make sure that business is operating predictably and the systems that are in place are capable of operating at that scale, but also accommodating uh, other parts of our business that will join it. So, for example, the data and insights business will eventually come together with the consulting business as part of the digital transformation business. Moving forward as we go through, it's really important that we keep purpose at the heart of everything we do. It's really important that we improve management information so we can provide predictable outcomes. And we've got a separate digital experience business because it it operates more as an agency rather than a professional services business. And in that business, we're supporting that to become the UK's leading purpose-driven agency. As we move forward into our third year, we think by following this strategy, we'll end up with this simpler, more coherent business that will allow us to seamlessly provide end to end services to our customers, but also allow us to do that operationally in a very effective manner. That will start to feed through into two things, really. One is that we think we'll be able to grow consistently on a 10 to 15% basis in terms of revenue each year, but also we'll be able to continually improve margins, And we're aiming to get to an EBITDA margin of 10 to 12% at the end of that three-year period. So we've taken quite a disciplined approach. It's quite clear. And this is something we communicate with our staff, our team members, as well as yourselves. So just to give you a little bit of information about our current trading and our outlook, and this is really a summary for the presentation as well. So we've had a very strong start to this year. You'll have seen us announce major wins with the Department for Education at £27.5 over two years. And as I explained earlier, that's based on a foundation of great client work with the department in the past. We're also the digital transformation partner for His Majesty's Land Registry, and that's a £49 million uh, engagement, and that runs over four years. So that provides us with real long-term visibility of our work. So it's a great foundation uh, for us to have. Uh, going forward. Trading for the first two months of this year is in line with expectations. So we are seeing revenue growth of 5%. We're expecting that, which is that's budgeted, and we're expecting that to continue and develop through the year. We're very focused on managing our working capital and our net debt position. We're not making acquisitions at the moment, and we're settling the last of our earnout liabilities. So we settled those in June of this year. And probably really important for us is that we've... um, We continue to enjoy a really good relationship with HSBC, our bankers, Um, Steve and the finance team and the business units involved um, really engaged with HSBC and we've got a very good um, foundation for uh, continued support over the next 15 months and then returning to conventional covenant measures. I'm particularly pleased at where we've got to in terms of staff retention rates 84% is good for our industry and reflects the need to bring new people into the business, but also the fact that we're appealing to our current team members in terms of the potential and career opportunities we can offer. In terms of looking ahead, as I said at the beginning, we all recognise that FY23 was a challenging year. There was a lot of change in the group, and we've now set out a clear strategy, a clear vision and a three-year plan to build on our already strong foundations with clients in terms of our ability to deploy our skills and to win these larger engagements. In terms of our margin improvement over time, it's going to be driven by a scale as we scale up during this year. So we'll see margin improvement in the back end of the year, but also by the operational improvements that we're making. Our market is secure in terms of digital transformation, is very much in demand, both in the public sector, the private sector and the not-for-profit sector. So we're confident that over a two to three year period, we'll be able to build the organisation that we want, achieve that predictable performance and achieve the revenue and EBITDA indicators that we've put into the presentation. So um, all in all, um, we're very pleased with what we've managed to achieve over the past few months. You'll see in the written uh, prelim statement that we've uh, pulled out some of the more of the changes that we've made in the business. Uh, Steve and I are very confident in the team that we have, the passion in our people and the market that we're operating in. So um, we're very pleased to be able to share that with you today and give you an indication of where we plan to go in the future. So thank you very much for your time and for listening. And I'm very happy to hand back to questions and answers.
0: So congratulations on the recent contract wins. As the pipeline conversion continues to grow, will you have to bring in more staff to facilitate?
1: Uh, Yes, we will indeed. Um, We are already recruiting quite heavily and we've actually improved our uh, recruitment capability. Uh, So a lot of our recruitment is done through digital channels. And we've brought in, for example, people um, who, who are from LinkedIn, actually, because that's a very good channel for us. And we're enjoying good conversion. Um, In terms of uh, revenue growth through this year, we are recruiting and we're recruiting for two reasons really. One is to uh, obviously be able to deliver those services in their own right. So as revenue goes up, we need to increase our our capacity for delivery. But we're also very focused on recruiting permanent staff where we have long-term needs for for skills and capability and balancing that uh, mix of permanent staff, associates and contractors, because that's... uh, is one of the is one of the levers we've got to manage margin going forward. Steve, is there anything else you want to say? Yeah, I mean to put that figure on that. You know We are looking. We our expectation is that our headcount growth, combined, firms and associates or contractors, will increase in line with revenue growth. So around fifteen to twenty
2: percent, uh, depending on how it pans out over the course of the year. Uh, ramping up as the year goes on in these projects, which are already kicking off. Uh, They both started with the first statements of work in May, so they are gradually starting. uh, We'll need to bring in new people as the year progresses
1: to support those as they grow.
0: What's your sense on how government contracts will develop moving forward?
1: So, we're seeing a lot of demand for uh, digital transformation work, and we're also seeing uh, government using more using the digital marketplace more as a procurement tool. Uh, and that actually works to our advantage because it means that we're in a position where we can compete with some of the larger uh, sort of more legacy providers and act, continue to compete for these larger contracts. So there's sort of an evolution in the way that things are being procured. Um, the need to uh, sort of improve service delivery and improve citizen engagement and improve access to uh, critical services um, is is ever there. And government is really sort of focused on uh, digital transformation as being a key enabler for that. So um, we see long term a really consistent uh, demand and continuing demand for our services. And we see an opportunity to, uh, because of our improved scale and because of our ability to provide that broad suite of services, we're better able to access that.
0: And quite a few questions on margins. The first question is, you've seen a huge squeeze on EBITDA this year. What's driven that? Is it overhead, smaller margins on contracts and are there any plans to cut costs internally?
2: So the the margin change in FY23, I sort of touched on earlier. Uh, There's a number of factors where we had a, a cost base Uh, a combination of contracts and firms that in Q2 and to some extent Q3, when revenue uh, was being delayed uh, due to uh, client-side delays um, and the effect of our new business run rates at the commencement of the year was relatively low. We had a relatively fixed cost base uh, in terms of permanent staff who also benefited from uh, the range of benefit improvements that I mentioned earlier. That put pressure on gross margins. As the year progressed, uh, the new business started to come through. Uh, In quarter three, we won 41 million of new orders, and in Q4, 36 million, 115 million for the year as a whole. So there's a balance here uh, in terms of being able to retain staff and use them effectively and hold on to them when these new business wins come through and benefit the business. Uh, Clearly, we are dependent upon The client for when, in fact, these projects get kicked off. And what we saw in the middle in the summer of last year, uh, largely due to facts outside our control, were client delays uh, on that side. Um, So, in terms of where we go from here, uh, you'll have seen Q4 was a little bit better uh, in terms of that profit profile and indeed the revenue profile, better than uh, even we were expecting uh, three or four months ago. As we go into this year, our focus is very much on pro- conversion of the new revenue that we've won, uh, not least the £90 million, uh, of, of new orders in Q1, and as importantly, more so the £80 million of committed revenue uh, that's coming into the year and ensuring that we are able to staff up properly in relation to that revenue and convert to an appropriate margin. At the same time, we have a firm hand-on discretionary cost Um, But staff costs and the ability and their utilisation and how to service those contracts is the critical piece in terms of managing that margin in the the months and, indeed, years to come. So our focus is very much on that, on improving our systems, uh, which will require some investment uh, on our side in order to improve predictability and visibility of uh, of that cost base, how it's being utilised effectively, improving our utilisation rates and those factors will in turn drive margin improvement together with the absolute fact that we have uh, great momentum now on our new business win rate.
0: So there's a question asking why it's going to take quite so long to get to 15% margin. And that was historically what the business was structured to do. So why is that not happening?
2: So in terms of the three-year target, we put out a number of 10 to 12%. Uh, FY26 in terms of a margin target. But I think we have to recognise that there is still work to be done in terms of improving and managing the business. The business is different now uh, from what it was even just 12 months ago. And the shift from a collection of owner-managed, acquired businesses uh, that form the basis of what was the panoply, now TPS impact, has changed you know, it's, it's a more coherent, cohesive group built around the divisions that we've uh, uh, explained in the deck. Uh, and that has obviously been an exercise that has, over the last 12 months, to some extent, disrupted the business. So in terms of going forward, you know, in terms of the, the, particularly the larger contracts that have come through, uh, it doesn't happen overnight, uh, that revenue. It takes time to come through. Uh, we work with certain partners in certain instances too, uh, which means that, you know, that revenue, the 49 million, uh, for example, it's not an even distribution over four years. You know, it gradually increases, which is why in turn our margin progress will be gradual but progressive. Uh, and we set out 10 to 12% recognising the fact that, as I said, the business requires investment in order to aid that predictability and help us manage the business in an effective way.
0: Are you able to talk through the anticipated margin profile of the different business units?
2: We'll disclose that by segment. In the annual report, we haven't put it into the release. Um, it does vary according to each business segment. Um, so as we haven't put in the release or, or the deck, is probably better as we have to treat everybody equally to leave that until the annual report. Uh, obviously, it does vary according to the type of business we're talking about, and where they are where they are in that progression curve that I
1: described.
0: And to what extent are you trying to sell multiple services from different business units to the same client?
1: So we're trying to, um, yeah. So it's a very good question. So the way we're we currently uh, configured is we have uh, what we call managing partners that lead on a, a sector basis. And we currently have a managing partner for central government, one for local government, one for health. And we're in the final stages of recruitment for one for commercial. And the idea of that is to better brigade the service offerings that we have across the business to bring those to bear for individual clients. So a really good example is uh, that we have a very significant financial services client uh, that we provide Uh, really excellent services. They love the services we provide in terms of um, uh, business information, particularly helping them um, improve their gender uh, diversity within their workforce on a global basis. So we've got a very, very strong track record. We've got a very deep relationship there, but it's actually quite narrow in terms of the services we can offer. So uh, part of the role of our uh, uh, sort of building emerging uh, commercial uh, team is to actually bring our broader range of services into that client. I mean, they're keen to engage with us on it. We're keen to engage with them. We just need to uh, mature that capability. So our our, um, our kind of future, part of our future thing was one, one of the slides uh, was around strategic account management, which is really looking at our clients, looking where there is the potential for us to offer value through our services, and then making those connections and making the connections across the business and making the connections into those clients.
0: And what are your plans to use AI over the next 12 to 18
1: months? So we, we have a team that uh, I've appointed an individual to lead on AI across the business. And we actually had an update on this on a, uh, an internal call earlier on today. Um, And what we're looking at, we're looking at AI in two perspectives. One is in terms of clients' needs. And we've had lots of inquiries from clients who are either um, enthusiastic to to look at AI or are slightly nervous about what the implications might be for their business and the implications of using it. And we're also looking at use cases within our own business. So, uh, for example, improving our team members' access to our policies and and our people support. Large language models, AI, uh, will definitely be a key part of the future. Our data and insights division in particular, we already have uh, deep capability there. We are also um, looking at it very, very strongly in our digital experience division. But we're taking, a, we're taking a progressive view to it because whilst there are big opportunities, there are also risks in some of the implementation of the model. So we're, we're looking at it in the round, both from a client perspective and an internal perspective.
0: And can you explain why you see purpose as a key differentiator?
1: Yes, and I think um, absolutely, because it's it's one of the key things for us in terms of attracting and retaining staff. Um, it actually provides, you know, energised and passionate staff generally produce uh, better outcomes for our clients. Um, as you saw on one of the slides that Steve showed, we've, we've attempted to sort of quantify um, the impact of looking at social value so social value, in, in, particularly in public sector procurements, is a key measure that is used to differentiate between who wins and who doesn't win. It's part of the scoring mechanism. So it really has got a, a very strong commercial uh, benefit to it. And what it means is that um, when a public body procures, they want to see that through uh, undertaking that procurement, they, the social infrastructure is improved. And that could be through training, apprenticeships, It could be through through other initiatives that kind of leave social capital as well as just the delivery of an engagement. So for us in in the larger public sector procurements, it can be 10 to 12 percent of the marking scheme is dependent on your contribution to social value. So if you've got an organisation that is innately purpose driven, obviously balanced with commercial outcomes, then you're starting in an exceptionally good place to be able to deliver that. And to be able to compete against other organisations in uh, those sort of commercial framework competitions.
0: And are we able to learn anything from the way that the businesses were run before their acquisition, when some were as profitable as sort of 50% and others eclipsing a 30% margin, and what we might do now to accelerate decent profitability?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that we've looked at in terms of coming up with our future strategy is how do we maintain um, sort of like the positive things about our various capabilities? So it's one of the reasons, for example, why our digitally experienced business, which has a slightly different operating model to some of our other businesses, is we will sort of nurture and develop that business as in its own right. Um, in terms of some of the margin profiles, Um, As Steve has mentioned, those businesses are now operating in a different context. I mean, we are a a listed business, which is why, obviously, we're engaging with you now and and sharing sharing what we're doing. And as such, um, there are certain things we have to do as a listed business, uh, which some of the original portfolio businesses wouldn't have had to do in their own right. Um, Our sort of future and our um, future development of margin is based around Keeping those niche capabilities and serving clients in those niche capabilities where we can, but also bringing the wider breadth of uh, TPX together. Because if we do that, we can have longer term uh, customer relationships, which reduces uh, cost of new business running and development, allows us to engage earlier, um, probably come up with more more favorable commercial arrangements with clients because it's a, a win win situation around value creation and have longer enduring relationships. And that should improve margin um, longer term. And
2: there's also the question of scale the scale that you get from being a business brought together uh, that we are now and the kind of opportunities that that gives rise to, like the more significant wins we've talked about with the Land Register and Department for Education. You know, there would have been. Uh, very little opportunity to win that size of opportunity, you know, as a relatively small owner-managed business. So the group itself has gone through some transformation in order to present itself to potential clients as a coherent, significant business partner that can help them in the longer term and generate not just revenues, but healthy margins in due course
0: m and has always been part of TPX's growth strategy in the past. How do you see it continuing in the future? You said not so much in the short term, but sort of short, medium, long term. What can we expect?
1: Yes, yeah, so so thank you very much for that question. Um, yes, in the short term, we've got um, what we have in in TPX is actually a very broad range of capabilities, and now um, we're able to brigade those together to serve clients, and our job is to really improve the operational efficiency with which we do that. Um, Sort of in the medium to longer term, there will definitely be needs for capability infill. So there'll be needs to improve um, capability or to bring new uh, service offerings into the business. They'll probably be fairly small initially. Um, And we'll obviously have a discussion around whether we grow that capability or whether we go out and acquire that capability. So I can see in the sort of medium term, Um, that we could be looking for capability infills. And part of our strategy is to build a sort of flexible and adaptive organisation that is able to go uh, and do acquisitions in the future. So one of the things about um, integrating businesses and part of our sort of thesis around uh, TPX Impact is we want to build a uh, a solid platform for the business which will make future acquisitions um, easier to undertake and easier to incorporate so we definitely have an eye on that but our short-term priorities are to uh, get the business that we currently have operating in a predictable sustainable way we already do brilliant things with our clients we already deliver on our purpose outcomes as well we just need to make ourselves um, more operationally efficient and effective
0: what are the dynamics of your pricing of work, and is there any opportunity to drive pricing to your advantage to support a more sustainable margin?
1: So um, we've got, as you might imagine, we have in, we have several initiatives running across the business at the moment, both addressing uh, revenue acquisition, uh, pricing, uh, margins in terms of you know costs and, and other things as well. Um, we have parts of the business. Uh, who operate in frameworks or environments where we are able to have regular pricing discussions with clients. And we also have parts of our business where we have uh, engaged on a framework which doesn't allow price movement for 12 months or 24 months. So effectively, we look at uh, every opportunity to have a positive conversation with our clients about the value we're adding and the price we can charge for our services. Um, As we move forward, uh, some of our services are obviously, um, we actually deliver uh, sort of uh, hosting services or we have uh, sort of platforms that we utilize for clients. So that gives you a slightly different um, pricing uh, opportunities. But it is something that we're very focused on. uh, And it's one of the levers that we are uh, pulling, if you like, to improve margin.
0: Great, thank you very much, and that's the end of questions. Do you have any closing remarks?
1: Uh, well, as I said during the presentation, uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be able to share with you uh, the work that the team here in its entirety have done, and particularly Steve and myself, having joined in October, um, we came into a business that um, is very exciting. You know, very passionate people delivering digital transformation services into sectors that really need them. Um, our task is to help the organization sort of mature and grow and become more effective and more efficient. Um, we're very encouraged by what we've seen. We do have a lot of work still to do, which is one of the reasons why uh, we set out a, a sort of multi year plan. Uh, but our objective is to get to a point where we have an adaptable, flexible organization that can do that has more options, so it has options to grow organically or to grow inorganically. Um, Certainly coming into this year, with the order backlog we've got and the work that we've won in the early parts of the year, it gives us a really strong, solid foundation. Our staff engagement is good. As you can see, our uh, retention rates have improved. And uh, we think we've got a good foundation to continue to improve and develop the business. So we're really enthusiastic. Uh, We're really keen. And um, yeah, we hope you found today's presentation uh, useful. And uh, we look forward to uh, your continuing support. So thank you.
0: PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.